Hello everyone, it's the Wine Hour, the talk show that removes your wine anxiety. A warm welcome to all of you. Preparing for the show, I couldn't stop thinking about programmed obsolescence. Here is port on one side, a wine that gets better even after decades. Well, nowadays things are designed to be to break down basically so that you can buy another one. Port is an obvious contradiction to program obsolescence. You can enjoy it today you know, or in 20 years. It's your choice. You are not imposed on you. The corollary to program obsolescence is consumerism, one of the reasons for climate change. And that thought led me to the COP26, where as we speak, the future of the planet is discussed. Unfortunately, we know the outcome, but who cares? If the Earth becomes unlivable, they will sell us tickets to Mars or to the Moon, or even better, you will stay eternally at home because the metaverse will immerse you with the rest of the world and it will feel real. But wait a second, why should I have a virtual life when I can have a real life? And why do you destroy things and then come up with a miracle solution to replace the broken one and it's $14.99 for a limited time only? Why? But in all this gloom, there is hope. As long as there are people who are attached to the land, who protect nature and are passionate about delivering honest products, there is hope. So here's the menu of today's show. First in on cork, Jamie and Ray will discuss the new normal, whatever that means. And it looks like a, not a very good expression anyway. Then in License to Taste, Tanisha will talk about the different types of port wine. And finally, in Have a Drink with Me, I have the pleasure to welcome our special guest, George Sendeman. But before we start, let me properly introduce you to today's cast. Coming from Porto, it's a pleasure, honor to welcome, and I will take the liberty to call him the King of Port, Mr. George Sendeman. <laughs> Good evening, George. Good evening. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. King uh, seems like a lot of things. Prince? So, you know. <laughs> yeah, Prince is fine. Okay, yeah. Prince so, of Port has so a the, ring about it. So the Prince of Port. <laughs> <laughs> what are you drinking? Uh, can you guess? I don't know if you can see it. I, I, hope, it's I guess with... Port? It is Port. Yeah, it's Vale. Vale? It's uh, a Port <laughs> we just launched. As you would expect, I'm drinking it. It's uh, a 90-year-old tawny port, so uh, something something I thought would spice up, uh, maybe spice up my wit to at least not uh, have everybody fall asleep while I talk. No, it's it's going to be it's going to be wonderful. <laughs> we had a conversation preparing, and it could have gone for hours. This is fascinating. Anyway, I'm getting myself ahead, and now. So it's the moment you all have been waiting for. They are here in full force, coming from our virtual studio scattered around the world. This is the one and only uh, Wine Dream Team. Coming from St. Elena. Yes, we are starting with St. Elena. <laughs> are always uh, smiling, upbeat, and everything will be all right, uh, Jamie O'Reilly. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Good afternoon, Jamie. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm very well. I just got back from uh, some travel to all kinds of different places. So it's nice to be home. Oh, we'll talk about that. Hydrating, I guess. Not even. Not Literally, even. no glass at all. I know. <laughs> okay. I know. See, you got to get back into the schedule yes, and I'm not yes. quite there yet. Yeah, so. we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> I'll make up for it tonight. Okay. Coming from, at least he's going to be there <laughs> in the eternal <laughs> city, La Citta Eterna, Roma. Uh, our Italian for the end of the week, uh, Mr. Ray Isle. <laughs> Good to be here. It's not great. quite in Rome yet. I'll, yes, I'll, not be quite in Rome. In Rome. <laughs> I'll be in Rome some point Friday night um, when I oh, have a yeah. crossover. You know, uh, but uh, 
Looking great to have to. you back. Traveling. It's good to be back. I know I've missed a couple. I've, I actually have been traveling a lot, which is, uh, you know, in our, in our new normal thing. Apparently, the new normal was, resembles the old normal. That. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm on, on a plane a lot. <laughs> what are you drinking tonight? To I'm this afternoon, your time. I'm, I'm drinking a little bit of um, uh, a Franz Keller Pinot Gris from, from Germany. Um, and I had to taste about 20 more Pinot Gris after this. So um, I thought I'd <laughs> start early. Head start. <laughs> uh, she's in the air right now, going to Chicago. It's Tanisha Townsend. But don't worry, uh, the segment of uh, License to Taste has been recorded. Oh, unfortunately, Akosh is uh, not making it this evening. He has a, a dinner with high and mighty people from the wine world. <laughs> <laughs> he tell us about this uh, in next show on December uh, the 2nd. So everyone's ready? So grab a glass ready. of wine, anything drinkable, spirits, tea, water, <laughs> invisible <laughs> drinks, <laughs> anything. Here's a toast to all of you. Cheers. 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 Now, relax and uh, enjoy the show. Today's Uncorked <laughs> is about the new, nor the new normal. Flying has come back, live events have returned. How does this new normal feel like? Who wants to start? Okay, this seems to be excited. <laughs> okay. I mean The, the entertaining thing is that Jamie was in New York um, just last week when I was not in New York because I was in France. So, um, and then I was in Napa briefly before that when you were in New York. So I, everything is, 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 this is the new normal is back to the old normal. As I said, it's like, we're, we're traveling all the time. It seems like. Well, but this is the thing I don't think, well, first of all, okay. I, I will say straight out that I despise the term, the new normal. I think it's so <laughs> dumb. Um, but I think that, um, There are a lot of things, it, it's really weird because on the one hand, like you say, we're going back into this rabbit hamster wheel, whatever it is. They don't have rabbit wheels, do they? Hamster wheel. Yeah, it's um, called the rat race. Yeah, well, yeah. and this whole thing, a lot of, um, I think we spent such a long time wishing to be able to do things and now all of a sudden we can. It's very interesting to me that, first of all, some things aren't fun. And we were discussing this earlier, but um, you know, I used to love, flying actually i really love traveling and um and now it's like the airports are kind of depressing and everyone's very stressed and anxious and a lot of the like lounges and shops aren't open and it's it's not and you know you've got to have your mask on the whole time and so it's just not very comfortable it's not the same kind of oh once i get through security i'll go i don't know sit and have something to eat or go shopping or do whatever and kind of get out of the everyday for a little minute it's it kind of is worse than the everyday yeah it sounds, like, it sounds like hell <laughs> it, 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 a little extreme. yeah i mean it's a little bit you know of, of, of no exit by sartre only in an airport only worse than it, it used to be um, <laughs> but it i you know i i agree it's I, having just spent a bunch of time in airports um it's it's like the the the, the things that were annoying about airports before are, are still there and now they've added a layer of of new annoyances like having your mask on the whole time and so on which which does it it does make it kind of it does when you walk around an airport particularly because of airport design and everybody's wearing a mask it does feel vaguely dystopian in some way um and, and it's not comforting in any in any context that said I, you know i just got back from a trip to france um well, a trip to Napa, actually, and a trip to France for some stories that I'm working on. And being able to travel again internationally or even 
state to state is wonderful. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's the first trip international wine trip I've taken in two years, probably. And, uh, you know, France yeah. is still there, apparently. Yeah, it still exists. Yeah. <laughs> well, quite nice. There are still French people there. Yeah. No French people. Well, There's a lot of food. Good. It's really good. You know. But that's, but that's I think that's the other, that's the other side of it, right? You said, like you said, I was in New York. I was there for the um, wine specter, wine spectators, New York wine experience. And it was amazing to see everybody. Every it, it was like a school reunion. Yeah. Right. We had people we hadn't seen in two years. Um, who we used to see kind of all the time as we were traveling around. So there was a lot of um, real joy in that. Um, and by the way, I think the spectator did a really great job with the organization. Um, it, the, the number of people was reduced, but the quality of people was really great. Um, and everybody was just excited to kind of be in a room together, even if it was a little weird because it's like, Ooh, we're in a room with people. <laughs> and everyone um, had their masks on and it's everything, yeah. Or not. Well, no, or not. but they, you know, <laughs> they had done, no, everybody had to um, show proof of vaccination okay. in order to get in. Um, and once you were in, they said, you know, you can keep your mask on, whatever. But obviously when you're tasting, you can't really do that. Mm. Um, but, you know, there were no um, communal spit buckets. Everyone had their own individual cup. Um, so they were trying to kind of manage it. Uh, and, and it was, um, yeah, like I said before, I think it's just the, the thing that I find is the, the, two things I'm thinking about are one is the low level of anxiety that just kind of exists and permeates everything okay. about like, you know, am I being safe enough? Am I, do I have my documents? Am I going to be able to do this or that? But the other thing is, um, you know, the old joke of this meeting could have been an email. I think there's a lot of trips where I'm like, this could have been a zoom mm -hmm. and maybe um, there won't be quite as much, um, jetting around because I think in some ways, which environmentally, by the way, is, is a much better way to do things. Absolutely. So. I'm going to, I'm going to send a quick poll for the audience and, uh, to, to get their feedback on, on how they feel about this post, you know, this new normal, we'll check the answers, uh, in a few minutes. So you were saying there's a, there's some kind of anxiety in this. And, but at the same time, if you have that anxiety, so it's, does it feel good? Because if the, the whole objective is to be with people and have that social and that communal feeling being with them, but at the same time, <laughs> you don't know if you can <laughs> approach them or hug them or, or, or be close to them. How does it? It's, a, it's an interesting, uh, to me, it's a weird mix. Uh, so we, we had our big Aspen event um, in September, which we moved from June. Well, we canceled it last year. We've moved it from June this year. We did the same thing as the spectator. We cut it in half, but the attendance was normally 5,000. We cut it to 2,500. Um, and I found the same thing. I was seeing all these people I hadn't seen in two years. And it and it's an odd mix of this delight in seeing everybody that you haven't seen, plus anxiety layered on top of that, which, which so even though you're thrilled, you're also still feeling this kind of like, well, I'm in a large group not wearing a mask. Uh, is this wise? I don't know. Everybody's vaccinated, I guess. I sure hope. So it's, it's it, 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 what it seems to me is that we, even though we're somewhat back to what we were doing before, we aren't back psychologically to the, to what we used to be at, which was people just got together without giving it a, a second thought. And you didn't, I mean, I don't remember in the past, like worrying every time I got to an event, well, I don't know. I suppose this is safe. I get, uh, you know, figure it should be safe. You know, that wasn't, that wasn't part of the, of the mental calculus that went on when you went to a wine tasting, for instance. 
But I think, I think this is the whole thing. I think, and, and it's, it's really important in a way for us to do these trips and events because I, the more that we do them in a, as safe a way as possible, I think the more we'll understand that, okay, nothing is hundred percent foolproof ever, mm-hmm. but the vast majority of time, it's going to be fine. And we can actually begin to enjoy certain things. I think, you know, after September 11th, when um, all of a sudden we had all this security and TSA and everything at the airport um, for the very first, however long, I think people, you know, every time you were in that line, it was like, all you could think about was like bombs and people with mm-hmm. shoes lighting on fire. And, you know, it, it, there was that, and now it's just like, okay, well, you know, we're not, exempt from something happening, but the systems are in place. And generally speaking, it's kind of a pain, but. Yeah, but now the, the, the risk is, is not something external. The risk could be the, the next person next to you, the, the person that is next to you. George, you've been traveling also around. You're based in Portugal. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm listening to this with, 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 with some interest because um, I have, I mean, I have, I have done some traveling. Uh, I must admit, it's all sort of local stuff. So, I mean, you're sort of like getting on and off the bus. Uh, and not not intercontinental, um, so it's not eight hour travel. Um, I I seriously I, I'm not certain that I sense the uh, the level of stress that you're putting out there. Um, although, and you know whether you call it the new normal or you call it something else, it is a fact that you know the fallibility we, we, we've sort of uh, experienced in a year the fact that we're fallible. I mean this. This, you know, we were, we were living in an idealistic uh, situation of, you know, I can travel when I want, I can do what I want, I can just get on a plane, I can go there, uh, I can basically do anything I want to do. And suddenly that whole thing stopped. And I, I agree with you. I mean, you know, we were segmented, we were, we were stranded at home for a while because we were all prohibited from doing anything. And then coming back, we sort of expected everything to go back to where it was which obviously we've learned is never going to be the case, you know, and this is part of evolution. Um, I, one thing I, I, I have to say I agree on is, is the fact that, I mean, you know, maybe two years ago, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing now. This would just not have been part of the concept. You know, people would say, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a cute, it's a cute idea, but it'll never work, you know. <laughs> and when you think of the number of meetings and things that really could have been an email and actually, you know, then it was a, a Zoom program, and you did save time from flying to one place or another to do a one-hour, two-hour meeting. I, I think it's very positive. And I, I think we have to learn to manage being in situations where we're with people, but also being online. And one of the things that I found most interesting in this development is it's okay if you're online, it's okay if you're with people, but that mixed hybrid development of being in both situations is actually quite difficult. You know, we, there's still a learning curve there. The other thing I have to say is, I, I, I don't know, I mean, Portugal, you know, we have 86% or 87% vaccination rate here. Um, so people adhered very quickly. There wasn't a massive resistance. And strangely enough, and maybe it's because of years and years and years of uh, being told what to do, um, <laughs> people use masks you know, all the time. And very seldom do you ever get anybody saying, you know, why are you using a mask or anything like that? So it sort of seems to be the way it is. Just one question. Just one question, one question, one question, one question. 
Wine is about being social, is about being in groups, is about being close together, eating together. How is this new normal affecting that bond that you create? That's what you wanted to that say. That is a great oh. question. Okay, what I was going to say is I think one thing we've realized is not only what emails, what meetings could be emails and what meetings could be Zooms, but also I think we have a newfound um, respect and appreciation for the value of the in-person contact and, and how powerful that can be. Mm -hmm. um, I agree. And I think that particularly in the wine industry, um, it's funny because we, in a way, like as from a winery perspective, we've gotten this um, intimacy with our consumers that we didn't have before because we've been in their houses, right? With Zoom. We've seen yep. their kids and their dogs and their cats and their fish and whatever. Um, so we have this intimacy that actually we wouldn't have gotten had we been in person. And we also have a newfound appreciation for when we can like see and touch and, and share glasses with each other. So I think that I, 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 Jamie, I would agree a hundred percent with that. And it's, it, it, it really, it means that your group of friends or if on a wider basis, the restaurants you go to and the people that are there, you're actually much more, you know, you're, you, you, you have to be more trusting if you want that everybody's, you know, vaccination certificate or whatever, you know, is actually real. And in fact, I mean, you're sitting there with a group of people who, who are sort of relatively honest. And among your friends, you really appreciate being with them. Um, and, and, and I must admit, I'm, that was one of the things we missed a lot was meeting up with our friends. And there, I got to tell you, Zoom just does not make it. No. Having a Zoom drinks party no. is, I mean... I, I'd rather drink alone in the bathroom, to be quite honest. <laughs> no, no offense, and I don't want to give you the idea that I do that a lot. Yeah. That's why on the on the wine hour we don't do virtual tastings. It's I was going to say that's very specific, George. I don't yeah, know. I, I prefer the front closet in our apartment. Actually, yes. it's nicer, but you know, it's a hard, less hard surface. But uh, yeah, it's. I mean, I think people found that too. When when New York opened up, I remember when New York opened up, and the restaurants were suddenly open again. There was this kind of. A, extraordinary happiness about being able to to go i mean not that you don't love having dinner with your family every night but to be able to go see your friends in some context where you could share wine and share food together and and it and it you it does make you realize how much of one how much of life it is but also how much of our of this business it is too i mean this you know that 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 the you know there's a reason why wine is such a social business um because the, the product itself is a something that that creates you know uh that brings people together socially. Um, it's primarily not, except for George, for people drinking alone in the bathroom, you know. Um, <laughs> I don't do it. I don't do it. Don't oh, do George, it. you've done it Ray, now. Don't spread rumors. Don't, don't oh, yeah, spread okay. rumors. This is recorded. This is recorded. And going to be long as it's for port, eternity. It's fine. It's, it's totally fine if it's port. Um, oh. so. But don't you think too, though, that um, one of the things that this whole experience has done um, has been to show us how commodified the hospitality industry was becoming or had become and and how precious it is for someone to prepare and serve you a meal yeah how how that is actually an experience that's not um anodyne i mean that it's a very it's a very special thing and and i think you know the reckoning that that's happening in the hospitality industry is is huge mm -hmm. um because i think they were underfunded and operating on really slim margins for far too long and and we were it was a race to the bottom, right? How cheap can you get a taco? Well, and also mm -hmm. it's quite clear that a lot of consumers 
you know, I, I think people in the wine business are, are aware of, of the, uh, you know, that the hospitality world is, is, is valuable, but it's quite clear from, t- I mean, what we do at Food & Wine, we talk to a lot of people in the restaurant business and it's been disheartening how, um, unpleasant some consumers have been coming out of this and how demanding and um and sort of you know this this kind of assumption that the hospitality person is there to serve your every whim and you get to be irate if they don't you know provide and even in the context of a pandemic and it and it you know so there's some education still that remains to be done on the on the kind of consumer side for that um or or something some generosity of spirit but the u.s is also very polarized right now and full of a lot of angry people so i mean it's, you know, it's, it's a weird, it, it, I was thinking back to the, to the vaccine thing. I mean, it was interesting traveling in Europe and it's, it, and it's kind of honestly, I mean, you said Portugal's 85% vaccinated. I think that's, you know, the, the, the general feeling you get when you travel in Europe, when you're coming out of the U S is, oh, wow, not every, there's not this like massive rift between people who believe that who are furious about being vaccinated and furious about max mandates and, and then the same people on the other side, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and Europe, it's like everybody's kind of like, it seems to be mostly fine. Give me a vaccination. I'm cool. Go on, you know. Um, and it, and it, it, it definitely makes for a less um, kind of, you know, heated up environment in that way. Which is better. I've, I've shared the result of the poll. Uh, two simple questions. Do you feel comfortable traveling, mingling with people, et cetera? 75 people said yes. Do you think we will ever go back to a pre-COVID life? About 63% says yes. That really surprised me. I know Rita did have a comment in the in the comments in the chat saying that she represents so great at the airport and assures us that we're almost to pre-COVID movements. I find it amazing that people think that we'll go back to that we can put the toothpaste back in the tube. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's eventually it will go away. Now the problem is eventually. <laughs> I don't think it ever will. I mean, honestly, that all the data right now is that this is, we go from pandemic to endemic. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So pandemic. Yeah. So, so at least it, I, I think, I think the saying hope springs eternal uh, probably underscores, uh, you know, the, the thing in Portugal. And the, the last thing that dies is hope, you know, uh, and, and I think that that's true. And I think that there are a lot of people and I, it's, it's, you know, whether it's real or it's not real, you know, it, being hopeful that we're going to have a future that is brighter than the present is not utopian, although it may seem that way. It's actually what gets us through the day. That and a glass of porter. And a glass of porter, of course. <laughs> but this is what I'm saying. I think for me, the, the thing that I find the reason that I am hopeful and optimistic is that I think we have the opportunity to create an even better way of doing things um, than we had before. And, Mm -hmm. and even with maintaining guidelines that a pandemic or endemic um, COVID situation will, will necessitate. I think that there are questions we just weren't asking ourselves. I think there are ways in which we weren't valuing certain parts of our lives. And, and that, I, I don't think that should go away. I really want to, to ensure that we are able to appreciate all the things we have mm. in, a, in a deeper way um, and not just going back to, oh, well, we'll just, yeah. you know, get, get too busy. It. Yeah. It. Yeah. There's, so, there's a lot, 
rethinking of things going on. I mean, it's whether it's, you know, whether you want to stay in your job or not, which obviously there's this massive sort of wave of people quitting their jobs to, you know, how you want to live your life. I, I, I found that, you know, having been in New York during 9-11, I think that prompted kind of in a local way, the same thing, you know, that the, this, these kind of um, mass, mass um, stressor events do prompt people to rethink, yeah. you know, how they're living and how they want to live. Um, so on that note, I'm going to get only your thumbs up because we're going to be hopeful. <laughs> no thumbs down this time. <laughs> just, 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 uh, just good vibes and good energy and positive energy. I am so happy uh, to go see? first. See? Yeah, see there yeah. you go. No, okay. um, I am thrilled because we have had all kinds of rain over the last few weeks here in California and particularly in Napa Valley. And fire season is officially over. Nice. Mandated over. That's a relief. We got enough rain that fire season. And in fact, my children have an extra day off school because they had a fire day put in there just in case. Um, So even my children are happy about it. Yeah, because they did get a day off. Exactly. (laughs) Ray? Um, what am I, let's see, what am I thumbs up about right now? Um, I, you know, I, I, the, the ability to, even if it involves a mask, the ability to travel, um, and travel internationally again and, and visit, you know, um, and it's not just me, other people can, you know, get to wine regions that they've been meaning to get to and, and, and expand. Um, you know, I, I'm always excited to go learn new things in new places and that having that option again, broadly um is great i mean most of my my uh plane back from france was probably 90 percent french um people coming to the u.s and because the, the borders are now open again and that that you know exchange of culture is vital and i'm and so i'm happy about that okay i thought you would have said i'm you're going to rome see your daughter well, I'm going to Rome to see my daughter too. I'm very excited about that. <laughs> that's that's on a much more micro level, you know. Um, so, but I'm thrilled, of course. You know, she's she's made it almost through the first semester of college. Oh, great, great! Congratulations! Thank you, Jamie and Ray. We'll see you in three weeks for the next show on December the second. And now we're on to license to, it. to taste yeah. <laughs> with Tanisha. Great. Bye bye. So Tanisha is uh, flying as we speak. She's uh, flying to Chicago. She 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 said she's always going to try to uh, to connect with us from the airport once we get there. But I I doubt this is going to work. But anyway, uh, the segment has been done and recorded uh, a couple of days ago. So we're sure to deliver uh, on the promise and. Uh, She's going to be talking about uh, the different types of port. So uh, here it is. Hello, Tanisha. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Okay. So I feel a, look a little different since mm-hmm. the last time you've seen me. I've had some changes. Yes, you looked younger. Yes, I became younger. That's exactly what I did. Exactly what you did. And actually, we, yes. we, we get to tell something to the people around here. Happy birthday. Happy birthday! 
Yeah, yeah. So, so, so this is this is really this is really a special uh, a special occasion. Uh, so it was your your birthday a, a few days ago. Uh, so yes. I, the audience and the whole team and I are wishing you a great happy birthday. Thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you refreshed on the on the show. So for everyone that is wondering, yes, we are recording this because you are flying over. Uh, you're going to Chicago, which is also uh, the first trip post-COVID. Yes. So we'll see how this goes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, exciting stuff. Now, today is a special day also because it's the first mm -hmm. time we're talking about port and, and we having uh, George Sanderman as our special guest. Uh, so we thought it would be appropriate to uh, give a bit more information about port, port wine. Tell us more about that, because it's a fascinating it's, world, actually. It is. It's very fascinating. And this was very good for me to look into as well, because I can't say that I knew the specificities of all of the different styles of port myself. So we will be learning something together. Okay, great. Yeah. All ears. Well, maybe not you, but, you know, there may be some other people. Oh, I'm always learning. Especially when, when you're there. I, I, oh. I, the wine encyclopedia of the wine are. <laughs> <laughs> Starting with Whiteport. Now, Whiteport I knew because there was um, a wine shop that I used to visit in D.C. And he told me about Whiteport and Tonic as a very refreshing summer drink. And I was like, Whiteport? Tonic. I was like, port and tonic, mm, you sound crazy until I had it. And then I was like, oh, he's a genius. He's definitely going to something. Yes, it is very good. So white port and tonic, everyone. Um, and that is actually how they drink it in Portugal as well. It can be dry or sweet, but it's usually served on the rocks as a cocktail or an aperitif. Okay. So that is white port. Um, but then there's ruby port which is aged two to three years in old vets, made from red grapes, hence the name Ruby. Okay. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, so aged two to three years in old vets. Then from there, you can have vintage port, which cannot be released before two years after it was produced. And okay. it cannot be more than 30% of the production. So you can't just say, oh, it's all vintage. No. It can't be more than 30%. Okay. Production. Um, it can also age for decades and um, it can spend several years in a barrel. And it's okay. Several years in a barrel. So there's that. Then okay. you have late bottle vintage or okay. for short LBV. Okay. This is a cross between vintage and ruby. And this was developed in the 60s in response to the British. There were some restaurateurs in Britain that said, you know what? We really like vintage port. We don't like all that sediment and all that other stuff that comes with it. So what can you do for us? Da, 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 late bottle vintage. Okay. And it is aged four to six years before they bottle it. And it doesn't have um, as much of that sediment in it. So... So four to six years. Okay. Yes. Then there's tawny. Okay. Extended aging. 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. But you drink it shortly after you buy it. Like it's already aged. Okay. Before it comes to you. 
this part is where it got a little confused for me. I was like, wait, so do I not hold on to it more? They hold on to it. And then you drink it after you get it. And the okay. name comes, the name Tawny comes because when it is aged for a long time in oak, the color changes. It lightens. Okay. So instead of being a darker color, like say the ruby or the vintage, it is now a tawny color. So it's tawny port. Oh, nice. Yeah. And with age, from what I understand, the more it ages, the better it gets. And it can keep on aging and aging and aging. They do say that about a lot of things. They get better with age. So I think when it comes to tawny, that's really true. Unless we're talking cohida or cohida. That part I wasn't quite okay, sure. Okay, probably cohida, yeah. Cohida, yeah, thinking cohida. It is vintage dated tawny. So just tawny with an actual vintage on it and not like the um, blended method that will give you. Okay, so I guess these ones are even rarer than the other one, than the, the normal tawny. Yes, and that's port. Wow. Right? It's a lot. Yes. So, so, now so out white, so you had mm -hmm. white, so yes. you had ruby, mm -hmm. you had vintage mm -hmm. you had uh label vintage bottle lbv yeah, late bottle vintage LBV. sorry late bottle mm -hmm. vintage then you had mm -hmm. tony and then you had tony vintage yes if that in, is not enough then i don't know what you want so there's so many different types yes to say the least and yes. they all use the same grapes for the red ones for the red ones, basically use the same grapes, just kind of like, of course, different proportions of um, each grape. Okay. And it's up to the house how they want to do that. Wow. We're gonna we can ask George about this, so he can give us a little more insight into yeah. the grapes they use. So, if, if you were to start with with one of these, which one would it be? Um, if you were just trying to get into port, because also since this is fortified, this is going to be higher alcohol, so you're not drinking it like you're drinking wine. You might want to start with something that's a little bit easier so i would probably say i would probably start with the ruby because the white is so different okay i wouldn't say like if you want to start with white and do a cocktail or a pair of teeth with that that's fine but that isn't going to get you into the other styles of port so i would say maybe start at the beginning with the ruby okay now just briefly also uh fortified wines how does it work in in a few words in a few words, it starts off as wine, but then they add in like a neutral spirit to it to kind okay. of up the alcohol level so it can fortify. So they fortify. Okay. Yeah. So it's a higher alcohol um, and usually sweeter. Okay. And this is why it can keep longer as well. And Yeah. Thank you. I meant to say that. It will keep longer. Okay. It will keep longer in the bottle. And then also once you open it, it will keep a little longer than regular wine. Okay, great. So now we know. <laughs> there you go. There's port. So hopefully everyone wants to try port. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I know in our conversation with with, uh, with George Sanderman, we will talk about why this is such a, a great drink to rediscover or discover uh, because there's so much to offer and taste-wise, it's just, it's just amazing. So, mm. uh, so it's fantastic. I'm excited for this. Tanisha, thank you very much. I'm going to let you go and thank pack so that yes. you, you don't <laughs> miss your, your plane. Right. Uh, you have a great right. trip. And uh, we'll you. see you back live in our next show on December yes. 2nd. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Bye. Have a great trip. Last but not least, uh, we are going to have a 
Drink with me with a George Sanderman. George Sanderman, what a fantastic pleasure to welcome you to the Wine Hour. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. It's a fantastic pleasure to be here. I have to tell you, enjoying it very much so far. Thank you. Thank you for, for, being, for being present. You are the seventh generation of the Sandeman family uh, who began making and trading in Porto and Sherry in 1790, just a few years back. Um, now, the house of Sandeman became part of Seagram in 1980, and then it was later acquired by Sograp in 2002. Let's talk about legacy. For you, what is the most important legacy uh, of, the, of the house of Sandeman? What are they bringing extra that other port house don't have? I, I, I think it's a, it's a curious legacy to be talking about because you would sort of talk about, well, you know, I guess, you know, quality, tradition, but and many other things. But, but branding is probably the, the, the one consistent thing that the founder uh, of Sandman uh, had in mind. Maybe not the way we, we talk about branding today, uh, but certainly his objective was uh, to uh, produce a port uh, and sell a port under his name. Um, and, and, and really, over the years and the generations, that became... Um, a key point in the family. And the branding aspect of that was uh, really very much summed up uh, in, in, in the 20s with, a, with a, an advertisement uh, that took place at the time um, where you have two of the, the senior partner and a junior partner who actually turned out to be father and son Okay. Uh, and my great grandfather and my great 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 grandfather, um, who were having a conversation, and one was saying, "Well, you know, why do we have you know advertising?" And the other one was saying, "Because we've got this very good port, and we want people to know about it. And to do that means we have to have the right quality and 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 all of the other uh, elements that go into what is really a brand. So if if there's a heritage, I'd say that that." Uh, Branding and all that goes into it, which is quality, tradition, consistency, um, uh, very much part of the, the heritage of, of, of Sandman. And the Don, so the famous oh, the Don, figure. Yeah. <laughs> this was this this was this was uh, 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 this was a radical turn. I mean, this is why this uh, this advertising that was done at the time by a, a well-known actually. Uh, uh, Artist from the from the London Royal Academy, uh, Septimus Scott, um, uh, came about because Sandman did go into advertising when wine did not do advertising. I mean, other things did advertising. And there were some wonderful posters by you know uh, champagne uh, by by artists on champagne and and some other things, but th there wasn't a lot of advertising for wine. And when Sandman started doing that, there was a lot of criticism about why would a wine company advertise? It wasn't done, you know. And the Don, as, as it became known as the Don, <clears throat> originally the Sanderman, came along as a poster 
that was presented to the company in 1928. It was a long time ago, but actually, you know, when you look at it, quite sort of recent in, in, in the development of, yes. I mean, in the time development, but, and, and, and the poster was acquired by my great-great-grandfather, uh, um, by my great-great, my great-grandfather, um, on, on, on the basis that this would be a very good uh, piece of advertising. Because it's fact, mysterious. Original, it's mysterious. Um, the artist uh, who, who worked for a printing company, because, I mean, there were, no, there were no advertising agencies. It was done by printing companies who wanted to sell posters, ultimately. Yeah. Um, uh, it was a man called George, George Massiot Brown, and he signed himself G. Massio, because it sounded French. Um, he was a Scotsman, by the way, I mean, like Sandman, originally from Scotland, and um, did this poster. And the description was, it was a Portuguese student's cape and a Spanish sombrero from the south of Spain. Yes. And this actually summed up the, 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 the port and sherry uh, components, if you want, of, 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 of Sandman. Um, and I mean, there are other stories about it. But what, what was really fascinating, if you look at it, is, is not so much that they acquired the poster um, and, had, and, and gave a contract to put these posters up around London and other parts of, uh, of England, and then eventually in France as well, um, as they expanded the use. But, but in, in, in 1932, um, this logo uh, was put onto the label. And I think this okay. is a very daring thing to do because normally you take your logo and put it into your advertising. And here you put, they, they took the advertising and put it on the label <laughs> okay. the other way around. And I, I think this was probably the most innovative thing. And suddenly you had these bottles of port with the name Sandman on, which was a good name and well-respected, but with this logo that was very memorable, very mysterious and supported by, by this you know, uh, poster advertising. Of, of, so of people this. related directly the poster that they've seen with the bottle and they were attracted to buy. They were attracted to buy. Um, and, uh, and, and, and my, I know my, my great-grandfather was, was, was known for saying, I mean, God forbid people mistake our port for other people's port. So we want it to be distinctive. Um, he did and it. Because he was obviously confident <laughs> in, the quality, in the quality of the wine. So, um, so is Sandeman port a mysterious port? Well, I, I think, you know, I, I, I think there are two approaches uh, to wine in general. And I mean, I, 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 I won't take the answer head on, but, but um, I think all wine has a, an element of mystery to it, which is healthy, but shouldn't be overplayed. Um, okay. And part of that mystery is really tasting the wine. And when you taste a, a, a port, you know, Tanisha explained the, 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 the basics of port there. I mean, you know, uh, red uh, or, or, or white, ruby and tawny. And then the hierarchy as you go up in each of the categories, I mean, whether it's vintage, which is essentially a ruby, I mean, but a high quality mm -hmm. ruby or late bottled vintage, or you, you take a, a tawny or a creator or a 10 or a 20 or 30 year old, or, or this wine that we just launched, Vale, uh, at 90 years old. These are the hierarchies of the categories. And there's no real mystery when you go in and taste them because they all taste delicious and they have different tastes and different profiles. 
Uh, and I think that's where, you know, on the one hand, it's, it, it has some mystery because it's wine in itself is romantic. It creates a romantic atmosphere. It goes well with food. It goes well with people. I mean, we were talking about this before. But at the same time, it's, it's relatively easy to understand and, and make a decision on wine. Is, as, as a friend of mine says, I mean, it's not like buying a car or a house I and mean, you're buying a bottle of wine. I mean, you know, how far wrong can you go? Yeah, just a I bottle. Mean, well, I mean, I mean, yeah, unless, unless you're, I mean, unless you're paying, you know, three, four thousand yeah, that's a, that's a euros, million. dollars or pounds. But, but on a day-to-day basis, I mean, you can drink some pretty decent wine, you know, within a reasonable price. Uh, so mystery is healthy unless it's, unless you're carried away with it. So you have a long history. So San, the house of Sandeman has a very long history. How would you protect it through the years? Because there's a lot of changes happening. There's a lot of technology happening, things happening, etc. How do you how do you protect the you know the ethos of the company, um, the quality, the excellence through all these years? Um, I, I think that's I mean that's that's it. I mean it's handed down. I mean I mean I say generation to generation. I don't want to make it sound like you know it's exclusively through. Sandeman family generation to generation, but people who work with 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 the wines, people who work with the brands, people who understand the history of, of what George Sandeman, who founded the company, was trying to do, and his uh, descendants after that uh, were trying to do, um, you know, will will obviously protect the the, the ethos of 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 of, of, of the brand. Um, and the wines that are made. And, uh, you know, particularly, I think, when you get to the winemaking, uh, today's winemaker, and the, 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 the person who's responsible for the wines, Luis Sotomayor, today is very conscious of the style of wines that there are, exist in the cellars of Sandeman and the people who put those wines into the cellar. And he's very conscious of the fact that in two generations time, somebody will be saying, you know, Luis did a good job or Luis didn't do a good job. And I've talked to him a lot of times about this and, you know, and, 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 and sort of laughed about it, but, but I mean, he's very conscious of this. So that in itself creates a, am I going to leave something here that's worth people valuing in the future? Or you know, am I gonna am I gonna make a mess? Yeah. Um, and I think I think you know, fortunately, uh, through the generations, uh, the, 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 I, I always say I'm the seventh generation, but six generations worked, and then I've been having a good time. Uh, but through the generations, <laughs> you know, the the thing has been maintained and been kept together. So um, sometimes with quite a lot of fighting, I have to tell you, but um, it happens all the time everywhere. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I'm, I know you're biased, but why do you think that port needs to be rediscovered? Because it used to be the drink, uh, and mm-hmm. it's it's a bit more under the radar these days. Why do you think the new generations uh, need to rediscover port, and what is so attractive with port? Well, I, I think the first thing the first thing with port is is I mean, and it comes down to flavor. I mean, you know, and flavor flavor has a lot to do with everything. I mean, you know, either you like it or you don't like it. And I think there are very few people who, when they taste port, don't like it. There are many people who have a concept that port is 
maybe you know too sweet or too thick or too 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 sickly or or, 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 or something like this. But when they taste it, they find that in fact a well-made port uh, not only has good fruit to it, a lot of flavor, a lot of complexity, particularly if you go into the tawnies. But at the end, because wines produced in the Douro have this this facet, it has good um, acidity, good freshness to it, so that you taste it and then your palate feels nice and clean at the end of it. So you, you very seldom, I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but very, very seldom find ports that are, are, are sugary. You, know, you find ports okay. that are rich in flavor, but have very clean um, uh, finishes and are very vibrant in their finish. And so I, I, I think that's the first thing. The first thing is, I mean, people, and, and Tanisha's point there was, you know, try a ruby. I mean, you can't go far wrong. I mean, then if you want to be a little bit daring, try a ruby, put it on ice and put a slice of orange in it. You know, and, 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 and you've got a wonderful, you know, a, a, a wonderful aperitif. Because there drink. are cocktails with, 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 with port. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I'm, a, I'm, a great, um, I'm a great believer in port cocktails and did, did quite a lot of work uh, some years ago, even, even with, with, you know, tales of the cocktail in New Orleans. Uh, going to going to tales and uh, and and we did a number of contests with with uh, with barman uh, making port cocktails um, and the most simple cocktail is a white port and tonic you know uh, which is the easiest one to make but as I say I mean you know, a, a ruby port you know salmon ruby with ice and and a slice of orange in it works fantastically. I mean, if you want to get very sophisticated, you take a 20-year-old tawny port you, and, and, and you put a, a, a splash of scotch in it, not a, not a massive single malt that will overpower mm -hmm. it, but a nice balanced scotch and, uh, and just a splash. And then you give it a good shake with some ice and pour it into a martini glass, a twist of orange, and you've got a fantastic cocktail there. Nice. You know, so, so these things exist and, and, and you know, before you even get into tasting with food. I mean, you know, I mean, the, 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 the classics with food, you know, uh, with port. So port has this massive versatility of flavors and ways to drink it. Um, because and, people and think I, I about think, it more as, a, as an aperitif or as, well, a, as a digestif. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's curious you say that because I, I divide the world, I mean, in, the, in, in between... I, I suppose you could divide it in between those who drink it as an aperitif and those who to, to, who, 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 who drink it as, as a, as a uh, dessert wine. And actually, I divide it in between those who live in the north and those who live in the south. <laughs> and most, curiously, most port is actually consumed as an aperitif uh, okay. rather than a, a digestif. So if you, if you drink in the north of, I mean, particularly the north of Europe, um, you, you, you will find that most people will have port after a meal or, you know, after dinner or after whatever, um, which I do as well. And, and, and if you drink in the South, you'll find a lot of people will drink uh, port as, a, as an aperitif, which I do as well. Uh, okay. So, I mean, it just goes to show that actually port you can drink pretty much any time you want to drink. And how often uh, do are people actually drinking port with the meal? Um, that is that is that that is something that 
uh, I think is becoming more accepted, but it's curious. Uh, it, traditionally, I mean, you know, if you go back uh, in, in uh, George Sainsbury wrote that wrote this book, Notes on a Cellar, Cellar yeah. and um, and he 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 has in there a list of I think it's about ten menus, his ten favorite menus, and port is served during the meal. Um, usually towards the end, okay, um, with with um, with uh, savouries that okay. are, were, were, were traditionally served. Sherry and Madeira also were part of the meal. Yes. So it's Jeremy only, it's says only in, cherry first, then port. Is it true? <laughs> um, yes, I think I think that's probably that that's probably a wise thing to do. Bearing in mind that sherry is somewhat drier than port. Um, but I mean, I have to tell you, um, I'll I'll serve uh, uh, port with um, as a, with a, as, a, as an entree, you know, uh, before the main course. Um, and I'll serve a twenty-year-old tawny port with, I mean, something that might be has something like Rockford cheese in it, um, or or alternatively, you know, um, a late bottled vintage or even a, a young vintage port. With something that has chocolate at the end of the meal, so it has. It has. It's a question of how much you want to experiment, and and we we've been pushed a little bit, I believe, into thinking that you know, drinking one wine throughout the meal is probably the only way to go, um, and and I know that post COVID, when my friends come over, I mean, we'll drink maybe four or five wines in between. Eight people, um, and there'll always be some leftovers. I'm not saying that we drink an enormous amount. Didn't say anything, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we drink in moderation. I yes. said, but 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 it's a question of flavors and matching and getting you know the 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 the, the excitement of tasting different flavors with your food, as opposed to just sticking to I don't know whatever you know Chardonnay or Shiraz or Cabernet Sauvignon or or Sauvignon Blanc, you know, lovely wines, but drinking one throughout a meal yeah. it gets to be a little, I mean, yes. it's nice to have diversity if you yes. can. I'm getting thirsty life and hungry. <laughs> <laughs> well, life's too short to only drink one wine. <laughs> yes, yes. So in your playlist, you selected uh, Leila Barry Clapton. Why have you chosen this song? Oh, well, I mean, you know, When I was uh, when I was a young boy and still in school, I'll never forget the cover that came out of the, I I can't remember it was a Sunday Times or Sunday Telegraph magazine, and it had Eric Clapton on the cover, and it just said Clapton is God, and uh, I'm sure God doesn't agree with that, but uh, he's a damn good musician and yep. damn good. Oh yeah, and uh, <laughs> you know it's it's it to me it's always it's always amazing that you know when he was with his earlier bands um, he never thought that he could be the front man and he was always you know he was always like the he always felt that he was the second guy and uh, you know certainly after Cream and after Blind Faith and then going into Derek and the Dominoes I mean you know. And I, I used to listen to this. I mean, you know, uh, uh, and 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 the classic recorded version uh, with the piano uh, played by Jim Gordon. 
uh, was just you know that and that in itself was 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 legendary. Um, so I know it 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 had to be. I mean, Eric. Clapton had to be on my on my desert island. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it is a classic. It is definitely a classic. There, you know. It is definitely a classic. We have a question from Ming. Ming, are you uh, camera friendly or just audio? You're camera friendly. Coming from San Francisco. Hi, Ming. <laughs> Thank you for the great show. Really yeah. like your thought that uh, the uh, port is worth rediscovering. I'm I'm one of those who just discovered a port, so that's why I'm here today. Would you talk a bit more on what do you think are the barriers today, in order for new people to appreciate the vast diversity of port? I I'm told I mean you know and and probably I mean this is I say it's our fault because I mean you know I I've always been a believer that when you communicate. It's not good enough to just say something. It has to be understood by the other person. So um, it's probably our fault as a as a sector, as a port, the port trade, in terms of the information we give out. Uh, and we've lived off of tradition for a long time, and things change. So you know, understanding the structure is actually not that difficult. But because people often Uh, don't have that clear in their minds. Uh, there seems to be a barrier for people to try the wines. Uh, Tanisha, I think you know, as I said, explained it very well. I mean, you know, you have white port, you have ruby port, which is young, uh, and tawny port, which is older and aged in um, in, in in casks. Um, and then you have this hierarchy. Saying okay, so these are your your young entry level wines, and then if you want to go up, you've got reserve wines, and then you've got the really special wines which cost a bit more. You know, so where to enter? I always say, well, go for you know uh, uh, entry level or reserve. It's not a lot of money. I mean, you know, you might be spending you know fifteen to to twenty dollars or, or or euros. You know, and, and which isn't an enormous amount. To, to for, for for a bottle of really decent wine, so it's it's more a concept thing and a fear of uh, of uh, driven by probably not very clear explanation from our side and not a clear understanding from the consumer side. Is that, it considered? Or, or, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no. Go no, ahead. Go ahead. Say, go that ahead. all all that all tainted with the fact that you know. Port seems to be old-fashioned, and it's usually attributed to you know old white English guys smoking cigars in tuxedos. <laughs> I was going you know, to ask that. <laughs> <laughs> the perception is it? It's a, it's a, it's an old Englishman drink. Yeah, and 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 you know we've done we've done some harm to ourselves by probably promoting that. But in fact, I mean, you know, there are a lot of people uh, that, that drink port who a aren't English and b aren't old. <laughs> But to not then say any other any other of their characteristics, um, you know, it, 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 many people think port is, is 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 exclusively a male drink. But in fact, I mean, even in England, um, in, in in traditional days, in pubs, uh, a lot of port was. Consumed by women and not men, you know. So it sort of goes back to Victorian days when English men 
would drink port and then their, their, their women would leave the room, not because they were put out, but because they became, the men became completely intolerable and uh, from drinking too much usually. Um, and, and, and so they quite wisely left. Uh, so I, I think that's the barrier. Um, there's a there's a there's a comment that there's Bernat, uh, somebody based in, in Spain. I've just had a 20 year uh, Tony with grilled octopus with a quite interesting uh, mix. Uh, we have Bjorn nice. Moritzen. I hope I pronounced it well. Uh, I guess you have a question. If I see you on the video, do you have a question to George? No. In a matter of fact, I didn't have a question. I know George very well. I was just listening, hi, and uh, I can say oh, yeah. hi, George. I can say that. But now we have Denmark, to ask a question. <laughs> no, yeah, well, I have. A question then okay good <laughs> in denmark we don't really have that problem with uh, getting people to know the different styles of port uh, port has been growing so big in denmark i don't know what happened but uh, because but uh, i think festivals port clubs and uh, dedicated writers and dedicated people into port so uh, today it's both young and older people drinking port in denmark it's men and women And uh, as far as I heard for, from the Portuguese people coming up to these wine fairs, uh, the general impression is that people know about the categories and know about okay. port very well. Uh, so I think it might be a problem, a issue of education. Uh, it, it's a long term, but... Uh, like, like everything else, education is, is, the, is the first step. Uh, to segue, thank you, Bjorn, for for this for this. Bjorn, uh... nice, nice to <laughs> nice to see you. Okay. Your fan club is following you. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're checking to make sure I'm saying the right stuff. <laughs> yeah, just, you're drinking Vale. Okay, tell us, yes. tell us. Okay, tell us more about this. 90 years old. This is this is quite impressive. Yes, this so Vale Vale is is a, is a wine that was uh, made was was I suppose uh, uh, a challenge that was made to Louis Sotomayor and his wine team his 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 winemaking team um, a couple of years ago uh, to, to 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 celebrate essentially the 230 30th anniversary of Sandeman as well as the 90th anniversary of the Don figure. You know, uh, I do this because I'm throwing my cape over my shoulder. <laughs> um, and, and of course, I mean, you know, the, the delay was because of that, that, that small, you know, uh, delay that we had in, 20, in, in 2020. Uh, which which prevented it from being from being launched, but actually the challenge was to have and make a very small quantity, but a very old uh, tawny port. And uh, Luis and his team, you know, they 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 looked uh, and identified and tasted a vast number of barrels. Um, Before uh, putting together a blend uh, which is 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 90 years old, I mean it's it has wines that are older and wines that are slightly younger than that. But I mean, if you were to sort of say what the age is, it's 90 okay. years. Now, 700 bottles produced, and they were put mm -hmm. into um, a special decanter uh, made by Atlantis, which is the crystal uh, crystal producer. Uh, here in Portugal, um, which is 
bottle shape, but actually has the cape. Uh, it has a, so the etching or the, the, the shape of the, of the figure and a stopper, which is the, the hat. It's sort of okay. quite, quite cool. Um, and uh, the wine, as Louis says, the, the, the bottle is very nice, but the wine is a lot nicer. And I, I'd have to, I'd have to agree with him on that. I mean, the, the wine is, is, is spectacular um, in, 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 in every aspect. I mean, in, in aromatic terms, in flavor, in depth. Uh, and this thing that I was telling you about before, you know, it has a, a massive mouthfeel, okay. a lot of flavor, a lot of a burst of flavor and touch of sweetness, and then a very long, clean, vibrant uh, finish. And this, I think, is, is really the art of port, is to have a burst of flavor and then this very long, clean, vibrant uh, 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 finish on, on the wine. What is the oldest Tony that you ever drank? I'd have to say probably, uh, well, that I drank and enjoyed because, you know, <laughs> to, to, <laughs> many years ago well i remember many years i, I the, the, let me answer the question and i'll tell you if you have a moment i'll tell you sorry but uh, i'm i i'd have to say veil is actually i mean and i know that sounds like it's a sort of you know it's a follow-on to the no, no, you know, obvious obvious answer but but it, but it is because i have i have had the opportunity to drink a really really old tawny And tawnies require an enormous amount of work. Uh, they need to be looked after. They need to be refreshed. They need to be turned over uh, because otherwise they become, you know, they become very stale and stagnant if you want. And I did have the unfortunate, I'd say, opportunity um, many years ago when I was about 20 um, in the Douro to be given a wine to taste a tawny from an old uh, vat Um, who the, the, the man who had it told me Napoleon drank from this vat, which I think historically was incorrect because I don't believe Napoleon actually ever came to Portugal. Uh, but anyway, whatever. Napoleon slept here and Napoleon drank from this vat. And I, I have to say the wine was massively intense uh, and I got this splitting headache <laughs> within okay. about 10 minutes. So I didn't enjoy it that much. So I'd have okay. to say the oldest veil that I've enjoyed. Okay. There's a question from, uh, uh, okay. He says the brother of Napoleon came to, uh, <laughs> came to, to Portugal. <laughs> so maybe, maybe he was passing himself yeah. off as Napoleon at that time saying, you know, give me the oldest wine you have. The sense of quality that, uh, that I find in port is the first entry into them. You know, when you put it in your mouth, how does it explode in your mouth? Okay. And the flavors that you have and the length of those flavors and more and more importantly, as I always believe, the, 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 how vibrant the wine is at the end. So you can still have these flavors in your mouth, but your, your palate is actually quite, quite clean and, and, and actually saying, well, I'd like to try some more of that. Okay. Um, if you drink good, good wine, you normally feel well. If you drink bad wine, Or too it's much. So let's be let's be honest. I mean, you know, if you drink bad wine, you can have a bad experience. And if you drink too much wine, it's definitely not good for you. Um, so you you need to drink. I, I'm a great believer of drinking in moderation. Um, and I know that you're supporting wine in moderation. This this organization that is uh, 
yes, I, I, I did a lot of work with wine in moderation. Um, and, uh, and now that's, that's in the hands of other people. And I, I, I'm a great believer that, that uh, in, the wine, in the wine sector, we need to be very responsible uh, about teaching people how to enjoy wine uh, without harming themselves or having a bad experience. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes that, that involves being, you know, wine in moderation. Yeah. The, uh, and we're firm believer of that uh, as well. The, um, we talked about the past. We talked about the present. Let's talk about a little bit about the future. Um, and you started Ex Ampula, as you were saying, mm -hmm. which is out of the bottle. Um, can you tell us just a bit more about, about this? And then, unfortunately, we'll have to, 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 to close, but with a pivot questionnaire, of course. Uh, so Ex Ampula, <laughs> what, what is it? What is your, what is your new project? Okay. So, so the, the, the concept was, I mean, you know, as, as, as I've said, I mean, it's, you come to the end of a term and people sort of uh, say, well, Thank you very much. You know that's 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 it. That's the end. Um, and uh, when I finished my mandate at Sobrap uh, uh, at the end of 2020, um, I basically said, "Well, you know, I'm not not willing to stop." And I've learned a lot. Fortunately, I've had some very uh, interesting experiences in life. I worked for companies like Seacom, as I mentioned, as you mentioned. Uh, I worked for Sanderman. I worked in different areas of the world. And that allows one to gain a lot of experience. I thought, well, let me put this into a, into a framework that you know, I can help people uh, on a project basis. Um, it, when, when, when they're looking for you know, either project work or uh, for, 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 for advice or assistance, uh in in different things I've also the wine industry that, needs it there's there's a big need in the wine industry in general i i think so i mean in the in the last 10 years i've worked a lot in the regulatory area so i'm very familiar with uh, the whole regulatory area in in europe and to some extent in the united states um and that's that's very important because the wine sector is the most regulated uh food uh, agriculture business in the world uh, from from literally from from grape or vine to consumption to to glass um, and 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 this working in conjunction with with something else that I've learned and we've all learned a bit is that in fact working online uh, I'm in a project at the moment where I'm working with somebody in Seattle and somebody in Poland uh, on a project which is in Portugal so okay you know we're, we're now we're now at this level where you can actually work with people all around the world um, uh, to get the best knowledge, the best expertise. And, and basically that's what I'm doing and learning a lot. And I have to tell you the, the, the joy of life is having time now to actually sit down and investigate and learn uh, okay. and being out of the rat race and, and, and being able to, come up with a project or somebody come up with a project and say, okay, how are we going to do this? And sit down and work out how that project is going to work and, and, and do it. Yes. And it's, it's a lot of fun. And I fun. And There's I'm, a lot of information I'm, out there. And I'm, and I'm pretty, pretty sure that people have a lot to learn from you. Well, thank you. I don't know. I hope so. <laughs> the, unfortunately, we're getting close to the end of, of the show, but we always finish with the pivot questionnaire. Um, are you okay. ready? 
I, am I ready? Okay, yes. Okay, so what's your favorite word? Uh, my favorite word is, yes, port, <laughs> especially if it's linked to Sanderman. Okay. I, I mean, you know, okay. <laughs> what is your least favorite word? Can't. Anything that says can't be done, can't do it, can't, thank you. I don't want to know. Okay. Your favorite, favorite virtue? Um, we talked before about hope springs eternal. Hope. Your, fa your favorite quality in a man? Uh, humility. Your favorite quality in a woman? Patience. <laughs> okay. What wine would you use uh, to describe yourself? Um, Amontillado. Uh, definitely, uh, I'm an Amontillado. So. <laughs> Excuse my ignorance. <laughs> Can you enlighten uh, me? <laughs> uh, Amontillado uh, is, uh, is, a, is a sherry uh, from, from Jerez, obviously. My mother's from Jerez, um, but uh, strangely enough, it's, 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 the name is because it's a sherry made in Jerez that tastes like a wine from Montilla. Um, okay. And, and I love Mont Amontillado, and I find it amusing that uh, the wine actually has a name from another place. But that's my sense of humor, unfortunately. Okay. okay. Uh, what's your favorite curse word? Um, my favorite curse word is bloody, and I'm a great believer that it actually is short for by our lady. And so it is a real curse word, uh, if you want. It's a, it's a real swear word. What sound or noise do you love? <laughs> well, I, I love opera, uh, although I didn't include it in my playlist. Uh, and certainly Maria Carlos singing Castadiva is one of is my is one of my favorite sounds but it's the favorite sound that i have what sound or noise do you hate people playing their social media or music <laughs> very loud in public i can't understand why they don't use headphones seriously okay what plant or animal would you like to be reincarnated in <laughs> my cat <laughs> <laughs> definitely if heaven exists uh, what would you like to hear god say when you arrive at the pearly gates Well, the first thing it would be nice would be welcome uh, and not, there's no space for you here. And the second <laughs> thing would be, we'll be serving Sanderman 1945 at dinner tonight. <laughs> Because the 1945 Sanderman is an ace wine. It's okay. really a great wine. But anyway, hopefully I'll get to heaven and hopefully I'll be serving it. <laughs> Fantastic. George Sanderman, thank you so much. It's my great, great pleasure. Thank you. Take care. So this concludes the Wine Hour uh, for today. Thank you for uh, listening. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, do not hesitate to shout about it, to follow us on our different social media and podcast platforms. Next show is on December uh, 2nd. Until then, drink in moderation, be well and safe. Faith always. Thank you. Thank you.